I want to get really deep into their belief systems because whatever limiting beliefs are running the show, we need to bring those up to be dissolved so that we can create a new belief that's going to empower them. Because when you, as you guys know, when you adopt the identity of just naturally being the person who makes six figures, has five new clients a month, whatever the goal is, that's going to happen for you because your brain goes to work actually creating those scenarios to happen for you. So we got to honor the limiting beliefs, rewire the identity, and then the process. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cardavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. This is podcast number 95, and our special guest is Elise Archer. She has a company called She Sells. And in fact, the title today is She Sells, Empowering Strategies for Women to Skyrocket Your Sales. Elise is an incredible coach, and she does really deep work with women, not just about sales strategies and tactics, but helping them, men as well, get past the self-limiting beliefs, those worthiness doubts that keep us from achieving the goals we want to achieve, whether in sales or leadership. Most of this episode is going to be talking about those stories in our head, rewiring those stories. Yes, there'll be some about sales strategies and tactics, but a lot of this is about doing the inside work. In fact, she actually uses the word, the healing work that allows us to enhance and empower our sales efforts. She's going to talk about the role of vulnerability. She's going to talk about this very cool exercise called the five dream lives exercise, the role of purpose and how critical it is for us to explore and challenge our self-limiting beliefs in order to change our sales results. It's going to be a fantastic conversation. Get ready to be empowered and accelerate your sales. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. I have to tell you, I am tickled to be here today. (laughs) I'm tickled. New word is tickled. Uh, and it's a great, it's great praise because we have with us Elise Archer. And what's funny about Elise is when we got on, I said, I was trying to remember where we met and she reminded me we've never actually met. <laughs> so you talk about someone who can build relationships in a short time. Yeah. We got connected about five, at least five years ago, because Elise is now in Atlanta. And at the time she was in the triangle area of North Carolina, we've never met in person. And a couple of years ago, I introduced Elise to a speaking opportunity that she secured. Unfortunately, wasn't able to be there a much longer story. But so she really made an impression the first time. And what struck me was about Elise is Elise is all about sales and sales leadership. But most people I meet in sales, frankly, I don't like <laughs> because they're bullshitters. Yeah. And because they're, they, but the bullshit is this they say how relational they are. Mm. But as soon as they open their mouth, I go, uh-huh, <laughs> not so much. And Elise walks her talk, and she's very passionate about sales, which may sound unusual, but what she's passionate about, she started this company called She 
sells. And she is a sales mentor for women. And she's a speaker. She's an entrepreneur. And she is passionate about empowering women, particularly in the world of sales, Hmm. which, let's face it, continues to be, and we're going to get into this, but continues to be an arena for women that there's all sorts of different standards going on. Hmm. And we'll probably get into that as well. So welcome, Elise, and uh, looking forward to the conversation. Thank you, Jeff and Craig. It's so good to be here. I'm just Wow. What a great intro. And (laughs) yeah, I don't like, I I'm not a big fan of the kind of traditional salesperson either. And that was so much of my background, just being in sales for so long and always feeling like, uh, like I had to fit in this weird box that didn't feel right for me to be successful. And that's so much of what I'm passionate about now is helping, uh, helping my clients, specifically women learn that they can be successful by bringing all of them to the table. So I think we're going to have some good conversation around that. Yeah. I mean, you can be human and sell at the same time. I mean, it's, I I think so. I hope (laughs) so. We'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lise, give us, give us and the listeners a little bit of uh, your story. Mm, yeah, and I will, I'll do my best to keep it under 20 minutes for you. So I, uh, I appreciate the, the platform. And I'll tell you too, you know, on the surface, what I teach is sales and business growth. But what I'm, what really lights my heart up is helping women learn how to trust themselves and trust their so instincts. Good. Yeah, and that's that's really I think where my story started is. Um, I'll, I'll share kind of the abbreviated version, but I grew up in, um, you know, a kind of a traditional American two-parent household. And um, my parents are both such good friends of mine to this day. I love them dearly, but (laughs) there was some, you know, there was a lot of like tension under the surface in our household growing up and they never fought publicly. And I think that was part of what threw me as a little girl because I could sense the tension, but I never, it was never verbalized. Nothing was ever spoken about between them. I never saw them fighting. So I I ended up just kind of suppressing my instincts. I was like, something's wrong, but I don't want to talk about it because it might throw off the family dynamic. And so I learned early on to suppress and stuff my instincts. Hmm. Yeah. And that later developed into it just totally cutting off my relationship with my body and my instincts, which Hmm. turned into a 17 year eating disorder. So even in my, I went to school for journalism. I went to Chapel Hill. So that could give me points or not give me points here. I don't know. No, we're good. But, we're good. <laughs> One of my schools. There you go. Yeah. So, okay, good. We're safe. Jeff was silent though. So I don't know what that means. But... <laughs> I'm neutral. A different part I'm of the neutral. World. <laughs> there you go. I'm neutral. <laughs> so I, I went to school for journalism, but I always knew I wanted to go into sales because I I liked nice things and I wanted to be able to make more money. And I remember in journalism school, my professor basically told us, Hey, you know, you're going to, you're going to bring in about 30, 35 grand a year writing as a newspaper uh, editor. I thought mama likes some shoes. That's not going to work. So I made the decision right then and there that I was definitely going into sales out of college. So, you know, my twenties, I was um, in the corporate sales world, selling advertising for global brands, like top performer in sales. And I kind of, I did all the things that I thought were going to make me look successful and feel happy um, mm. early on. And I had like the six figure sales career, the nice house, the nice car, marriage, all this stuff. And on the outside, it looked like I had it all together, but nobody knew that secretly I was still dealing with this eating disorder. Mm. I was being sexually harassed at work. Mm. My husband at the time was a recovering alcoholic, and that was just a really not a good relationship in a lot of ways. And so, I found myself, um, you know, my mid to late twenties, kind of looking at this life I had created for myself and saying, 
and just being miserable with it, frankly. And that actually started my journey of personal development. Cause I remember at the time I was, um, I was so unhappy with where I was in my life. And I was doing a lot of, I would drive to go see clients. So I was in outside sales and I would drive like one to two hours to go see clients. And I didn't like being alone with the thoughts in my head at that time, because I had to actually face what was going on in my life and just think, oh my gosh, how, like, how did I get here? And how am I going to, how can I get out of it? So that's when I discovered podcasts, and, <laughs> <laughs> which were a very wonderful diversion from the thoughts in my head. Hmm. And growing up, I'd never been introduced to personal development. We, my parents were both very, um, very book smart, like very intelligent. We, but everything was about academics and brains. And, and so I'd never been introduced to personal development or more emotional intelligence or intuition. And it changed my world. Mm -hmm. And it started me down this path of realizing that I was in full control of where I was in life. And I had created the situation for myself that I wasn't happy with, which meant I could also create a new situation. <laughs> and it was wow, there's right so much power in that. Ooh, yeah. And that's a huge part of what I'm, I, I teach clients today. And what I'm so passionate about now is you are in full control. It doesn't mean you can control everything that happens to you, but you're in full control of how you decide to show up in that you situation. You always have a choice. Exactly. Exactly. And so right before my 28th birthday, I decided I needed to make a lot of changes. 28 was always my favorite number. It's like a special number for me. I was born on the 28th. I priced my stuff at 28. It's like, it's just it's a very scientific pricing method that I teach my clients. Um, but I, I said, I'm not going to live my 28th year um, miserable the way I have been. I'm not. And so I asked my husband for a divorce. I, uh, I left the corporate job, decided to go out on my own and start coaching Funny enough, six months to the day that I left my husband, I, I was not looking <laughs> at the time, but I met at a networking event, my soulmate, the man who's now my husband, Jason, and we have our son, Jack, our beautiful son, Jack together. Wow. And it's been for me, a real process of learning to trust myself and learning that, uh, that I know what's best for me. And, and the way that translates to sales and to my clients is I think for so many women, we suppress our instincts and what we're taught in sales is just make a hundred cold calls and say this exact script and it'll all work out. <laughs> you guys have no doubt seen that with your background and with, oh, yeah. yeah, with what you've done. And, um, that never felt right to me. And so I always felt like I had to fit into a different box than I was to be successful. Mm -hmm. And what I found is the method I teach my clients now, um, and what I've done in my own life is, by learning to really trust myself and get in touch with my instincts, I, I turned my, uh, I went from having 10 to $15,000 months in my business to having $100,000 months within six weeks when I implemented wow. this methodology and just learning to do things my way. Mm -hmm. And that's what I teach my clients to do now as well. And it's, uh, it's really fun. So well, we can go wherever you guys want to go. Wow. But now you can get some shoes. <laughs> yeah, now, Jimmy shoes. Mom can finally get her shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Points, Craig, that you know about Jimmy shoes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna. I'm, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I'm gonna choose to dive into a deeper end of the pool with this first question. It came up for me when you were talking about you were being sexually harassed at work. And I wanted to talk about a couple things about what I believe are still very different experiences for men versus women in sales. And, and they're related, I think. 
So I'm going to say both. One is I've heard many men in my career say to me, sales managers, et cetera, you know, the great thing about women is they're especially attractive women. They're great at opening doors, but they're not so great at sales. Mm. So if I want somebody to close the sale, I'm going to bring a guy in. Mm. But if I want doors open, I'm going to use a woman. And I'm like, I hear this and think, are you serious? Did you just say that? I'm going to just go with that question first. How is that still showing up? And how do you coach your clients through that? Because they may be dealing with that every day. Yeah. Gosh, that's a great question, Jeff. And it's so funny because I had always, I've actually never heard someone say that, no doubt, because they wouldn't say it to my face. Right. <laughs> but instinctively, I always felt that. And a lot of the women I work with have said similar things. And they, a lot of the women I work with too, learned to downplay their appearance because they never wanted to get credit for something because of how they looked. And so it, it's, it, there's a lot of layers to that, right? I mean, I think, gosh, well, the first step is just talking about it, talking about the fact that that is a stigma where, you, you know, you guys opening up this platform to have that conversation, I think is a really great first step. Um, but I, you know, as a woman, we could go a lot of ways to this question. So what I've experienced in my own life is a wild pendulum swing from in my early 20s when I wasn't confident with my femininity and my sexuality and who I was, I kind of did the wild swing this way where I, I did dress like provocatively. And I almost like played it up because that was the only way I knew I or wasn't confident mm. and secure enough in myself and the value that I brought to the table. So I like really used my looks for that. And then that got me harassment, all the stuff that I didn't want. So I did a wild pendulum swing the other way where I really cut off like all of my femininity. And I went very into masculine and tried to really downplay everything. And what I, I, t I talk with a lot of my clients about masculine and feminine energy, and we all have both. Mm -hmm. We all have both regardless of how you were born, but the sweet spot is when you can learn to integrate them. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, in nature and just the way things are designed, the masculine is designed to be in service to the feminine. So if you think about like this glass, um, the glass would be like the masculine and the water inside is the feminine. So masculine is linear, logical, results oriented, get to the point, get it done. Feminine is creative, you know, nonlinear, illogical. I like to think in a good way. Like we like to think about the quantum leap, but the, you know, when it comes to the sales world, it's like both, right? How do you integrate both and own both of those sides of you? And so for the women who I work with, a lot of times they've swung way into their masculine because they don't feel safe showing up as a as they really are as a woman in the workspace. And so it's a it's a I think a coming back into alignment with both and learning to love and re re implement the feminine sides of them. Um, and there's practices I teach them to do and and things like that. But I think it's learning that you can be safe as a woman in the world and that you actually do close more business and, mm. <laughs> and achieve your goals when you bring all of you to the table. I love the pendulum because that's something I talk about a lot in a lot of different contexts. Mm. And I've learned that that's typically what has to happen with change. We're typically way over one place. And in response to that, we go way over the other place and both are extremes and both are unhealthy and both are stressful, but there's this rhythm or this flow that happens here at the bottom. I think it's called the fulcrum when it's swinging naturally, 
but that requires vulnerability to get there. But here's what I do believe about change. It has to go way to the other side to create the balance because, and I think with a lot of movement in our society, people will say, well, we're way over here. We went too far this way. I said, well, we kind of had to because otherwise if we were here at one level, what would this be? Say we're at, uh, if we're at eight o'clock and we only go to six o'clock and then we say swing, well, now we're not in rhythm. So I love that, that analogy, that metaphor. I, I do want to go to that second question part of this. And I got to tell you, I was naive to this for a lot of my career. I learned this probably, I can tell you, I won't say from who, about seven years ago. Someone I was in relationship with as a business owner, a woman was telling me how often and regular it was that men approached her to do business with her, but really wanted something more and different. Mm -hmm. And I never thought about that. And then since then, I mean, it's sort of like my ears are open, my eyes are open. I hear this all the time, mm -hmm. that, that women in business and the different decisions they sometimes make, like saying, I'm not going to go have, I'm, I'm hesitant to go have a one-on-one -on -one meeting yeah. uh, with mm -hmm. a man because I don't want to deal with it. And so where are we on that, I guess, Elise? Are, are we still stuck? Because a part of I'm bringing this up is basically as a message to men, stop this shit. Right. Mm -hmm. Stop mm -hmm. this shit. Excuse mm -hmm. my language, but I'm, I'm just pissed off. Because I see people I care about being wounded and perpetrated on. Yeah. There's, there's my rant for the moment. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And, you know, I've been out of the corporate sales world for six, seven years now. So I personally am not having those experiences. But what I will say is up until when I, I left, yeah, I remember there was a, um, when I was selling digital advertising, there was like a big a big time client that we were trying to win. And he told me that the way we could win the deal was if I came back to his apartment and slept with him. What? And so, yeah. And I'm, yeah. And so it, it happens. And I think, um, I think it's both. I think men have to, and here's the thing, a an empowered man is not going to do that. So that's like wounded masculine. That's a guy who's super insecure. Who's right. So I'm not, I, fortunately, most of my experiences with men have not been like that. <laughs> right. So I, I just want to make that very clear. Um, but I think as, as women, we have to have greater self-worth as well. And we've got to become unavailable for that type of treatment. Because unfortunately, I know for me, and I, I do mentor many women now who are in their early twenties. And it's like, you're so, so like trying to figure yourself out during that time. And especially if you had any like father stuff where you didn't get the attention you wanted from your dad and all that, like you can, yeah. you can be susceptible to that type of thing. And you can think, well, that's my value is my sexuality and how I look. And so unfortunately that stuff happens. So I think it's the more we can just talk about it and normalize it. And as women not be available for it and men like you call other men up to be in their empowered masculine and not show up like that. Uh, that's, I think, where we can start to shift this and change this. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And I, I agree with you. And I know that in, from an inter, interpersonal perspective, I didn't deal with that well early on when I discovered that because I remember my reaction was to this person, why aren't you setting better boundaries? Which mm. gets back to, do I feel confident enough to set the boundaries? Yeah. And I remember one of the saddest things I've ever heard in my life, because it was genuine when it was said to me was, Jeff, you don't understand which is true. And that's on me for pretending I could understand. Yeah. 
but this was the mm-hmm. comment. If I don't allow men to treat me that way, I will not have a business mm. at all. Wow. And I, and I, oh, come on. Yeah. And, but the pushback was, no, you just don't understand. And I didn't. And at that point, I don't think I was trying to understand. It was a lot more going on, but I get it now. And I want to be more um, empathetic and also look at what's, what's my potential role, even in this conversation to yeah. be an ally for that kind of change. Cause this is not just about sales, but it is about sales. We're talking sure. in the sales context. Yeah. Well, I love that you bring that up. And I think I used to think that I used to think that I had to have that type. I had to take that type of treatment in order to have a business. And what I know now is that's a massive limiting belief. So that's, that's not, it's not true. It might mean you need to change businesses, but it also what I, my personal belief system, and this is like, I used to get a lot of lewd comments. I used to get a lot of that type of treatment and it was because I was available for it at some level. Mm -hmm. There was some part of me that was available for it. I'm no longer available for it and I don't get it. And so I think that's <laughs> like Jeff, to your point about boundaries, when you, I had to realize that I had so much more worth than I was giving yeah. myself credit for and that my worth was not in being a sexual object for men. And so when I realized that and made and drew that line, things started to shift for me. So I totally get where that woman's coming from. Cause I used to think that too, but I know now that's not, that's a limiting belief. It doesn't have to be like that. Well, wow. one thing I love about what I'm hearing, Elise, is it sounds like this is the exact kind of work you're doing with the women you work with. So it's not just X's and O's, tools and <laughs> tactics. It sounds like a big chunk of this is helping empower them on their own mm-hmm. by helping them to let go of some of these different beliefs and get back and help them to find their, that spark that's in there and, and to trust it. I yeah. love that word, trust them. Yeah. Is it yes. really about finding and, and really understanding your identity in that? Mm-hmm. Or is it, is it mindset or is it dealing with the wounds? Oh, these are such good questions. So it's all of it. And I think you guys said on your website, like you can't grow a business bigger than you, which right. I resonate with so much because I used to think being successful in sales was just all tactics and all mm-hmm. strategy and just say this thing and have this set process and you'll hit your goals. And what I learned is it's, I think it's like 95% mindset and identity and who you are. And so for my clients, it's six things, it's six different steps that I take them through. But the first is it's healing. Mm. It's, and and it's, it sounds weird, right? Like why, why, why why would healing matter? Okay. So you guys, yeah. So you guys get this, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have to feel worthy of what you want. You have to feel in order to make a certain amount of money, you have to feel worthy of it. And I remember, um, this is a recent conversation I had with one of the women who I'm coaching now, and she's a top performer for a financial services company, but she said, I never let myself get to the very top. And she said, Hmm. when I'm in my, um, she's in like a very, it's something like a orange theory, competitive workout class where like everybody's scores are up on the board. So she does these in the mornings. And she said, when I'm working out and she's good, she's like, when I'm working out, when I see my name get to the top of the list, I suddenly feel so ashamed and I don't want people to look at me. And so I pull back. Wow. And I thought like, how often, how often do we do that? I think probably more as women than as men. Hmm. Um, but she, if she, so that's what we're working on for her right now is feeling worthy of 
being at the top. And usually, as I'm sure you guys know, it's, you know, something that happened to you usually between the ages of zero and seven, where you learned that you weren't worthy and you weren't, yeah. there was something where you weren't good enough. And then you carry this limiting belief around your whole life and it runs the show for you. But the first step is healing. Yeah, it is. It's figuring out what are those stories that you're telling yourself that aren't true about what your limit is. It's interesting because when you were telling that story about Orange Theory, I was thinking that what, what she was going to say is, yeah, when I reach the top, I push even harder so nobody can catch up. Oh, <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. But yeah, clearly there's a little bit of different uh, thinking yeah. there. Well, and I love that you bring that up because it's, I think, I think that's how men tend to be wired. And I love that about like, actually I work with a lot of men too. And I love that. It's like, let's push and keep going. And, but for a lot of women, they don't want to be in that spotlight. Yeah. So yeah. See, I would say that for a lot of those men, they're actually being driven by the same story. They're just showing up differently with it. So for this woman, her response is, I don't feel worthy enough. I don't want to be seen. And the men is, I get there, but I got to be even beyond that. And, Mm. you know, one of the things I said, and this is where we'll get, lose all our male listeners, (laughs) but I just speak my mind a number of years ago in a dating context, uh, someone, I was on a date and she started asking me questions. She's going to talk about my journey. And she started talking about men and said, men just don't make sense. I said, oh, men make perfect sense. I said, men are the easiest people on the planet to understand if, you look at them through the lens of insecurity. Mm. And her comment was, well, men aren't insecure. And I said, that's where you're wrong. Men are incredibly insecure because they're dealing with the same, some of the same drivers as women, but they are so terrified to show that or acknowledge that possibility. They just overwhelm everything with this faux confidence, that bravado. And it's so, you know, sometimes people say, well, I'm just an alpha male. I said, well, but it's dangerous are you really an alpha male or are you just a hugely overcompensating mm. wounded insecure guy? Yeah. Cause those are very different. Yeah. That's a, yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And it's that wounded masculine, right? it shows up in different ways. So it's kind of this whole concept of enoughness, which I think in the sale, the sales world is such a magnet for people who don't feel like they're enough. Like it was yeah. for me, that was so much of my story. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll cover up not feeling like enough by making more money and being at the top of the leaderboard and, you know, going and being extra loud at these networking parties and stuff. And it was all just, it was like, a, it was a cover up, you know, it was a cover up. So we both do it in different ways. It is interesting though. You, you're talking about going to those networking events and being the loudest person in the room, but you can really tell the difference between somebody who's confident in themselves and somebody who needs to make a point when you're, when you're at an event like that. Yeah. I guess I haven't really thought as much about that, but we can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At a subconscious level, you pick up on it, right? Like it's, yeah. it's, it, we, and we sense it and then we don't trust. I think that's why at the beginning you were talking about like the slimy salesperson. And we, we pick up on that. Your energy, I mean, studies show our energy field is up to nine feet outside of our body. So hmm, whatever that energy is that you're putting out, yeah. you don't even have to say a word and people can tell who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like at least you might be well positioned to put, put a perspective on this because you work with both men and women. Mm-hmm. And what I wonder about on this topic is my experience is all things being equal, which they never are. But if you're, if you're looking at a sort of a, across a spectrum of men and women. My experience is women are typically more courageous 
in terms of willing to be vulnerable yeah. and work on these things. That's my experience. Mm-hmm. Men tend to be more armored up and not willing to acknowledge that, you know, I've heard more women in my life acknowledge, look, I've got some things about my worthiness. I hear that a lot less from men, even though I talked to probably equal numbers. So here's my question, though. A lot of women in our culture have chosen to show up in the masculine, their masculine energy, as you said. And when they do that, does that impact their level, their willingness to be courageously vulnerable? Because mm-hmm. they put on that male behavior pattern. Yeah. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I, and I, that feels very true for me because that was me. Mm. So yeah, you learn it's, you learn it's not safe to be you. It's not safe to show up as a woman, whether it's because you're sexually harassed or because you learned somewhere early on that, um, you know, you were only praised for being like a tomboy or do like girls are weak, right? That's like such a cultural, it's interesting. One of my uh, mentors was saying she heard someone and she didn't give the name, nor would I, if I knew, but a big time, big time personal development personality uh, coaching a guy. And it was like a YouTube video. And he said, was your dad strong or was he feminine? And this was like a recent, yeah. Wow. This is a recent thing. And so, and it's funny because when I first say that, it probably doesn't even register as being weird, right? It's like, and then you're like, oh well, my gosh, yeah. Because of the word he used. Right. And, strong and or feminine. <laughs> strong or feminine. And so that message. <laughs> Not strong or weak, strong or feminine. Or feminine. Yeah. It's that messaging that's just wow. like subliminal. And so you learn, like I learned that I was not strong. I learned that, well, I learned that the only way to be strong and the only way to be successful was to be hyper in my masculine. And Mm. that meant totally buttoning up, covering up, like not, not being vulnerable, not sharing who I really was. And that does show up in our bodies too. I mean, even to the point, like a lot of the women I work with, they have physical issues that are showing up, whether it's weight, whether it's, they have issues with their throat, their voice, Mm. um, for me, like I mentioned when we in the pre-chat, like I had a, a miscarriage a couple of years ago and it was such a moment of like, I knew in that moment, I did not trust my body. Mm. And it was just part of why I'm so passionate about now that I do helping other women do the same. But I think part of how we get out of that trust is like, we learn it's not safe to be us in our bodies and our bodies are amazing. They have feedback loops. Like they tell us what we need to do. It's like meat suit we've been given for the planet. Right. That's incredible. Uh But we, I think a lot of, and no doubt men as well. Right. I'm just speaking from the context of the women I work with. Like we learn to cut off that connection because we don't feel safe with it. Yeah. Wow. You you know, as you're talking, it, it really came to me that I've had an incredible gift in my life, which is I have two older sisters and they're both incredibly strong and mm. they are feminine and they are strong, you know, both. And just being able to see, you know, like one of them bikes up Mount Mitchell. Uh, she's one of the best bicyclists in North Carolina. And it's like seeing, seeing this and just, I've never doubted the power of a woman, you know, mm. because of that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And, and this is what I learned, like having our son, you know, seven months ago, there's nothing weak about being a woman. There's, <laughs> no, not <laughs> there's, at all. Nothing, there's no. nothing weak about it. But I think that's where I'm so sensitive now for our son too, of him just learning to embrace all of him. And my, my yeah. hope and my intention in 
raising him is that he learns that it's safe to be vulnerable and it's safe mm. for him to cry. And it's like, yeah. that doesn't make him less than, because no doubt you guys can speak to this a lot, but I think that's so much of the messaging in our society, which creates yep. the wounded mm -hmm. men, which is you can't cry. You can't be vulnerable. You can't be weak. And that stuff gets bottled up. That's why we have violence. Tell him you love him all the time. Mm, Makes yeah. such a difference. Mm. You know, and that, and that okay. you value them, not just for what they do, but for who they are. I love that. Mm, I love that. So, so Elise, I'm, I'm fascinated by something now. When, when women come to you, I'm guessing this is an attraction model that you're not, people are coming to you because they're drawn to you. Mm -hmm. Are they typically coming from a place of, I want to work on myself and I know that'll make me better in sales? Or are they coming saying, I want to get better at sales and you take them into this journey inside? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. It's, I would say it's both. Um, and I've just become so much more passionate about the inside journey over the years too. So I've got a lot of background in sales. I can teach sales process all day long, but if that was all I got to work on, there's no way I would do this. Like that's, <laughs> that, I, that does not light me up these days anymore. It's really about the inside journey. So I think with attraction marketing, regardless of what you're selling. I was actually just coaching a, um, a client on this before we got on this interview. And she's this like saucy Latina and she's just vibrant and beautiful. And there's a part of her that doesn't feel... When you look at her brand online, it's very dulled down from what mm. she is personally. Mm. And so the conversation we got to have was about what's it going to take for her to feel safe bringing all of her to the surface? Because that's when the sales happen effortlessly. Yeah. Like that's, I shared with you guys before the, the quantum leap in my own revenue in my business. It wasn't some fancy sales technique. It was just me being me 100%. And then wow. it's like, you don't even have to be good at sales. People just want to work with you. That's what, that's my so preferred cool. sales wow, style. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that's I'm now wondering where, where am I being inauthentic in mm, what I do, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's so good. Totally. Mm. So you've talked a lot about trust, uh, women trusting themselves. And you've talked about this willingness to be vulnerable, to be themselves. You've talked about, they've got these wounds and these stories about themselves. I guess, I guess I want to get into how do you begin with them? I'm not talking about every step of your process, but you, you probably have a sense going into it, not what exactly the details are, but you know, the patterns by now. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you start with them? Yeah. So with my clients, I actually want to find out a lot about their family history. And I asked some questions you would probably not think that a sales coach would ask, <laughs> but I want to know about their relationship with their mom, their relationship with their dad or whoever raised them, their relationship with money right? Whatever issues we had with our parents tend to show up later in our issues with money. So if we, because um, they're both about security. So if we always had fear of one of our parents leaving growing up, like that was for me, that was kind of my fear. And I wondered years later, why is it that I can make a lot of money, but I'm always so afraid it's going to go away. Mm. And I'd never actually had that experience, but I had this deep seated fear. So you got to peel back a lot of the layers to see what's the conditioning and what's the programming that's running the show for you about wow. how money shows up in your life and how, um, you know, how much you can or can't trust other people. And, and so we do a lot of deep dives into just what's their belief system around money, people. I'm very, um, people probably would not want to work with me who are 
atheist. Like I don't have a, I have zero judgment on that, but I do, I talk a lot about God universe. So I'm mm-hmm. very big on like, what's your spiritual connection like right now? Because I think if we, I used to think clients were my source and I would get so hung up on like, if this client doesn't buy from me, all my money is going to go away and it's never going to come through. And so when I learned that, no, mm. they're not my source, they're a channel, but for me, it's God and the universe are my source. Then it's, mm. I can sit back and be relaxed and not worry about where it's coming from. So I want to get really deep into their belief systems because whatever limiting beliefs are running the show, we need to bring those up to be dissolved so that we can create a new belief that's going to empower them. Because when you, as you guys know, when you adopt the identity of just naturally being the person who makes six figures, has five new clients a month, whatever the goal is, that's going to happen for you because your brain goes to work actually mm-hmm. creating those scenarios to happen for you. So we got to unearth the limiting beliefs, rewire the identity, and then the process, then the sales process. Yeah. Happens. Yeah. It's amazing how many people just focus on doing the activity without changing the underlying person. You know, it's, it's like... First time I ever heard this was Zig Ziglar. You got to be before you do and do before you have, but nobody thinks about, I need to become that other person, which is why we have that statement. You can't have a business bigger than you are. Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's, it's so interesting too, because in my own life, I had a lot of blocks around earning more than a certain amount of money for so Mm -hmm. long. And I think we have a financial set point the same way we tend to have like a weight set point. And it's kind of like, this is just your default that your body goes to, or that you'll typically make. And I did an exercise a while back called your five dream lives. And I have my clients do it now too, where you think about like, if you could have any life, what would it be? And you'll find like, when I did it for myself, things came up that I had dismissed or thought wasn't possible for me, like Mm. world famous singer or, you know, philanthropist or children's and animal rights activist. And So I was looking at these five dream lives and realizing these require a lot more than low six figures to bring in (laughs) and to be able to actually make these things a reality. And so then I looked at who am I waiting to give me permission to do these things? Who am I waiting for? And it was at that moment that a switch flipped. And I said, I have to now take on the identity of a seven figure business owner Mm. to be able to bring in the revenue to support this next phase of my dream. And I went to work rewiring my identity. And that's where in six weeks that switch flipped and I started to do that. So it happens fast. That's why like it happens so fast when you can switch your identity and you're coming at your sales and your business as a different person than you were previously. It's, it's radical, the transformation. But shifting the identity, what does it require to actually do that in that, that short amount of time? Yeah, I think it takes a couple things, Greg. I think one, it takes a big purpose. It takes a purpose that's much bigger than you because okay. if you're comfortable and complacent with where you are, there's not yeah. enough motivating or driving you to actually go for it and make that's that big right. of a shift that fast. So it takes, that's why I do the Dream Lives exercise with my clients because I want to get them yeah. attached to something bigger than them and open their minds back up to right. what they actually wanted their life to be about. Um, and then it takes looking at what are the limiting beliefs. Like what are the, when you think about those dream lives and what you're going to do, what are the thoughts that show up for you about why you can't do that? And I always, this is something I learned from one of my mentors and it's, it's helped me so much is to learn that limiting beliefs are just lies. And you can tell you're having one because you feel bad in your body when you're having one. (laughs) So if you feel fear, overwhelm, anxiety, guilt, shame, whatever, 
it means you're actually thinking a limiting belief in the moment. Your body had, this is where learning to trust your body is so powerful because it's a mm. feedback loop. Your body's designed to instantly tell you if you're thinking a lie or having unintelligent thinking. So we want to figure out, oh, what, that's really interesting. What was the thought I just had about that? Again, it's usually something you learned, you picked up on between the ages of zero to seven when your brain was under hypnosis and you didn't have a filter for what's true and what's not. <laughs> And then it's rewiring it. It's like, okay, if this wow. is the belief and this is not actually true, what would be a more empowering belief that would help you accomplish this goal and live into this identity? And I use something um, called lofty questions. I learned this from Mind Valley. I think it's Christy Marie Sheldon's the one who teaches it. Because sometimes with affirmations, so when we rewire a belief and we say, I am, like, I am a millionaire. If you're not, there's a part of your brain that's going to be like, no, you're not, idiot. What do you, you're not. That's why they have affirmations, <laughs> which is questions. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's well, that's, that's exactly what this is. So why am I this? Way? Why am I? Yeah. I, I've never heard it said that way, but that's exactly it. So yeah, she talks about lofty questions. Like mm -hmm. why, why am I a seven figure business owner? Why am mm -hmm. I a millionaire? Yeah, why yeah. am I, why is it so easy for me to sign ideal clients all the time? And your brain doesn't have the same resistance. So it's repetition, it's visualization. And then it's for me every morning, I would just visualize life. When that, yeah. when I'm at that point and feel gratitude for it. Mm, so good. And Absolutely. actually cry tears of gratitude for it. And eventually it, it comes to you. It becomes your reality. Wow. You make it sound so simple. And I know it's not, <laughs> but <laughs> clearly there's not a reason cool. why people want to connect with you for getting mm. that guidance. Well, but maybe it is simple. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the work might be hard or easy depending on each person, but I think it's good there point. Is a simplicity to it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. I've been a Beta Gamma Sigma member for the last 20 years. If you're looking to hire, the right candidate is closer than you think. Beta Gamma Sigma is the International Business Honor Society, exclusively for students at the top of their class in the top 5% of business schools in the world. BGS members are academic achievers, skilled leaders, and experienced problem solvers, and their skills and experience extend beyond the classroom. They hold chapter leadership positions, attend global business summits, complete ethics trainings, and engage in world-class internships with top corporations. When you hire a Beta Gamma Sigma member, you are truly hiring the best in business. For more information, email bgshonors at betagammasigma.org to learn more about how to hire BGS members. Welcome back. So I, I have a visual kind of question for you, Elise. Ooh, there was I'm going to piggyback on what you just said in the context of my, one of my earlier books called Unmasked. So we wear all these masks, right? And so let's assume I happen to be wearing a single mask, which is rare. But if I'm wearing a mask of my current belief system about my identity, my self-limiting identity, here I have it on. I've got this mask over here, which is my more authentic, fully empowered, powerful mask. Is the, I think some people, I guess here, I'll just state my opinion. Some people say, let me go create the new mask and put it on over this one. Mm. And that doesn't feel like that works to me. It feels like I've got to, at some level, get rid of the old mask or start to thin it because otherwise this is a fake yeah. and it's just exhausting. And I'm just faking again. I'm just faking a different way. So in terms of back to your work, do you feel like you've got to do enough of the work at least to start removing some of the old beliefs? in addition to taking on the new belief? Yeah, I, I, I love that question. Yeah, or just thinning, thinning the old mask to the point where it doesn't exist anymore and then the real use just there and it's been there all along. Because right we, we build up these layers of protection 
over time of who we think we need to be to be safe in the world. Um, yeah, so I, I think absolutely you if those things are still lingering, they're they're running the show, even subconsciously. And that's why I like having my clients make like a big, bold declaration or do something that requires them to be all in or and burn the ships so that they have no choice but to bring up those uh, those limiting beliefs to be dissolved. I'm really glad you said that. You just gave me a gift because I realized in your answer that I didn't even like my question. Like, <laughs> not the question, but you're right. It's not about me finding this outside part of me. It's getting rid of the layers that are keeping me behind the mask. Mm, so I don't yeah. need a new mask. I love that. Thank you for saying that. Because, yeah, yeah, I'm taking off this old. The mask is the fake to protect me has to come off mm-hmm. so that my authentic self just is here. I don't have to go become my authentic self. I am in here, that yeah. person. So Shine like on, Jeff. Shine on. on. I yeah. love it. I love it. It is about light. Let the light shine. Well, you know, it's 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 funny. The uh, the song, this little light of mine, mm-hmm. it's actually become one of those things that I will use as part of my morning routine because that it it really talks about we are created to be the light. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And there's, you know, I'd be curious to hear your perspectives as men on this. I think for women, a lot of times there's. I have so many conversations around fear of visibility and I'm just, I would love if we all just decided not to be afraid of it anymore and just moved on from the conversation, but it continues to come up for the women I work with. And so I don't know, as, as men, does that show up at all for you guys? The fear of of visibility, like fear of being seen, being visible, whether it's like on a stage or on video or Hmm. does that ever show up? Well, I think Jeff and I are a little bit, different than the norm, I think, yeah. because we choose to be on stage <laughs> and in front of things. So I don't know if you're asking the right people, but well, I think those are different. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say there's a different question of what does it mean to be visible? Because certainly I have no hesitation to be visible, to stand on the stage, to stand in front of a group, to speak to anybody that doesn't intimidate me at all. And I could see that women have some different questions there. I could understand that. However, what I would say is where I see my challenge with visibility showing up, and I'm still working on this, is the ability and openness to be praised publicly hmm. in ways like I don't want to hide anymore. I used to downplay it. Hmm. People would give me a compliment, which is a way of highlighting me, and my response would be, eh, it's nothing. And that was my form of not being mm. visible. It wasn't in the, the other ways, but it was that way of saying, yeah, don't, no, don't, that's too much. Yeah. Cause it was, and I know now, now I understand that was a conflict with my story about myself. And they were trying to give you a gift and you were putting it back in their face. That's exactly what I did because I couldn't yeah. hear, because it, it didn't, it didn't fit with the story I had of myself. And oh, wow. the only okay, way yeah, through that, that is sense. awareness so awareness, I can keep working on that. And I, you know, even remember back to the visit, a lot of mine has been that kind of visibility about praise and blessings. Because I remember one of my relationships, because um, my history is not always pretty, especially my history with women. I was one of those men that mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. I absolutely was. And I've talked openly about it. And I got into a relationship where I was no longer, I had done my work to not be that man. 
And, and she, a phrase she used to say to me all the time is, I'm so grateful to be with a honorable man. Mm. And for the longest time, my response was, do you forget what I told you? Mm. Yeah. Because I was still hanging on to the old version. Yeah. And I think for part of me, it was, I used to beat myself up and then it became a safety mechanism. Mm. I felt like I had to be so hyper alert to that. So that didn't come back. So I wasn't trusting myself. Yeah. I wasn't trusting my authentic self. And her response was very loving and saying, I'm judging you based upon how you've been with me. And you've been nothing but that. And I, then I could say, oh, thank you. So it's been, it's been a progression. It was not a light switch. And I, I'm re, I'm, compared to 10 years ago, I'm really good at accepting those blessings today. And every once in a while, I'll get one that kind of goes... Man, I want to throw that one back. <laughs> really, and then I do what I always do: the practice I teach my clients and friends, which is I take a breath and I say thank you, and nothing else. Yep. I love that you share that because to hear a man's perspective on that is so great. Because I hear that from women all the time. Like we deflect compliments. Like you look so great today. Oh, I look terrible today. Right, and that's so that's inability to receive which is feminine. So masculine is about giving feminine is about receiving. But when you, I think just even for those listening to notice, like, do I deflect? Do I deflect when someone gives me a compliment? Because that means there's some limit to the amount that you're willing to receive, which actually is blocking the amount of money you're going to bring in. And it's blocking the amount of joy and peace and Mm -hmm. happiness that you'll have as well. So that comes back to the worthiness, like feeling worthy of what you want. Yeah. 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 Thanks. I love that you shared that, Jeff. I think that's such a great example from the male standpoint as well. Yeah. It is a journey, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Deep sales conversations, but it's so good. Yeah, I love right. it. Well, it's funny because some people would be, if, if we didn't use the word sales, I know a lot of people would listen to this and say, this has nothing to do with sales. And yeah. I guess everything. I'm curious from that perspective, at least, and in my world as a coach, I often have people who come to me looking for something. It might not be sales, but it's very businessy. Yeah. And we jump in and we don't go there. And I know we're not going to go there, but I don't tell them we're not going to go there until we don't <laughs> go there. And then they find out. And there's resistance often. And then typically they see the outcomes they wanted in the business or the sales on the other side even though we never talked about it. And so I guess I'm curious with the people you work with, are they typically coming in knowing they need to work on them or they find that out when they get there? (laughs) I know. I've wondered if I should rebrand and just like not even talk about sales and my stuff. Cause it's (laughs) like I said to you guys, it's uh, it's, it's like, not the thing that lights me up the most, because when you transform as a person, the sales become so easy. It's, you don't even have to really think about it. Um, so yeah, I think most of my clients, like if, if they watch my social media, if they see my stuff, they know it's about much deeper than just the sales. So I will, I try to make 25, 30% of my content, like sales strategy, but I'm pretty public with the rest of it is mindset, abundance, wealth, prosperity, worthiness. So Mm -hmm. I think my clients have a good sense 
coming in, but I'm with you, Jeff, that a lot of times, like, cause you know, you're going to get them the result they're looking for, and it's going to be faster and easier than if you did it the way they were initially wanting you to <laughs> right. do it, yeah. but it's, they wouldn't be able to receive it or hear it until you got them to where you can as a coach. Yeah. It's, yeah. um, T. Becker says you, you basically sell them what they want and give them what they need. Exactly. And so exactly. they're coming in in this one way, you're still going to give them that, right? You're still going to get that outcome for them, but you're going to give them so much more what they don't know that they need. Yes. Yes. And the thing that I've learned that is so fun and so enjoyable is I used to live in such a state of anxiety and overwhelm all the time. And it was my norm. And I thought it was how I thought it was the only way to get things done and accomplish the goals I wanted. And when you transform from the inside out, the way we're talking about helping clients do and realize that everything you want comes to you easier and faster when you're actually at peace, grateful, relaxed, going with the flow, like every aspect of your life is transformed. And it's a way of being, because we think we want to make more sales because of how we're going to feel on the other side, right? We think we're going to, when we make more money, we're going to feel more freedom, pride, yada, yada. The trick is you feel that first. Right. You got to feel that first and then it comes to you. So it's the, it's the inside out transformation, that way of being where it's like, when you can get to just perfect peace inside of you, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. Everything you want comes in as a result. Crazy it's, thing is though, people, if they're, if they're in a financial straits and they're, they're really needing money, right? So that yeah. they can just get by, what is their dominant focus? Their dominant focus is lack. It is, it mm-hmm. is not having what they need. And therefore that's going to keep it from coming because when you step into that selling situation and you're coming from that pace of lack, you're trying to make that other person buy from you. Yeah. And it just totally changes things around when you step in with that confidence that, Hey, if it's not this person, it's going to be the next person. That's it. It's I'm working with a client like that right now. And she's like, literally she sold um, some of her animals to for coaching with me. Wow. And it was like, it was a really touching moment for me because I, as an animal lover, I know, I know what that was for her. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but she understands this stuff. And, and the thing that we talk about is like, we live in time lag. So your, the amount of money you have right now, the way your business is right now, the way your sales are right now, it's a result of your thoughts, feelings, actions, a couple days to a couple weeks to a couple months ago. So there's, there has to be a time period where you are shifting your thoughts, your feelings to be what you want them to be, to be the the thoughts and the feelings of the person who has that thing that you want, knowing that it's just like planting a new, like planting a tomato (laughs) outside, right? Like you plant the tomato seed and as long as you water it and put it in good soil, you trust that it's going to turn into a tomato plant. You're not like going and ripping it up every two seconds, looking to see what's (laughs) happening. So it's the same thing with this. It's you start planting the seeds of feeling abundant, free, prosperous, at ease, generous. And you keep feeling that and you'll get situations that mirror that back to you. And knowing that we live in time lag, it's just like trusting the process Mm -hmm. and knowing that it will, it will come. It will come. When you look at that, I guess, I've, I've seen several different people talk about this in different ways. Yeah. So one, one aspect is it's what we would call visualize. Okay. Visualize, you know, close your eyes, see what you would, what you want to be, but that's not as powerful as having the feelings, 
right? Mm-hmm. So you want to experientialize that change and who you're going to be and what, is, what are all the senses around that. Um, I find that if I'm doing that while I'm moving, like I'm walking or I'm exercising or something that adds more spunk to it. Um, but what am I missing? Is there anything else? No, I love that. I love that. So Dr. Joe Dispenza says the thought, so he studies like the quantum, you guys may know, yeah. he studies the quantum physics of this stuff, right? So the thought signals the new event and then the feeling draws it back to you. Mm. So the stronger the feeling and the stronger you can emotionalize and feel what you want to feel when that future happens, yeah. the sooner it's going to be drawn back to you because this is where it's like law of attraction type stuff, but it's, it's just science. You mm. don't get what you want in the world. You get what you are. So, <laughs> so good, whatever yeah. it is that you're, right. whatever it is that you're feeling, you're just going to get everything's just a mirror. So you're just going to get back more situations that make you feel more of that. So the trick is to, even if you, even if you don't get that, even if you can't internalize that yet, just do an experiment and just, I'm just going to experiment for six weeks and just practice being happy and just practice feeling at ease and just practice feeling grateful. Even if everything in my life is crap right now <laughs> and watch. Yeah. And just do an experiment. If it doesn't work, it didn't work. And you can go back to how you were, but it will work. And you watch to start to see those events line up in your life and new customers come in and new sales and unexpected opportunities. It's how it works. I think one of the key parts in that is watch because oftentimes we can, these changes can be happening, but we're not noticing what's happening because we're still stuck in seeing things the way they were. Yes. Yes. And that's as a, uh, as a former control freak, that was really hard for me. <laughs> it was so hard because I wanted to control. And I felt like I had yeah. to know always who was my next customer. What's my next deal? What am I going to say? And when I learned that you get to be attached to the what, but not the how. Yeah. So you get to be attached to the amount of money that you're committed to bringing in this month, the amount of sales, but you don't get to be attached to how it comes in. It's so interesting. It's so freeing because then it, it gets is. exciting and it's like, Oh, I'm, I wonder what's going to happen with this one or that one. Like I mentioned to you guys in an email earlier today, you're the second people who have written to me and said, Hey, we want to ask you about your upcoming book in like a week. <laughs> right. I don't have, I didn't have an upcoming book, <laughs> but I'm taking that as a sign that it's time for me to have an upcoming book. So it's just fun. Like you learn to relax and trust that things are always working for you and you're being guided. And it's so much more fun that way. It's, it's really interesting. Last month was one of my best months. And it was because, you know, it was, I had a specific goal. I, I wanted to do this. I wanted to get whatever this was. And the money came. It was like, I don't, I had no idea where it was coming from. Calls just showed up on my calendar. You know, things happen, things closed and it was there. I, I broke through that goal. And so I was like, why don't I do this all the time? <laughs> it's so much more fun, isn't it? It is so much more fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it's like it, when you just relax and trust. Yeah. Everything comes to you. Yeah. Jeff, you, were, yeah. So, well, as, as we're getting near the end, I, I want to ask a question. I don't think we've talked about this at all. And I'm curious about it. Having worked in corporate world, been in sales, business development, and interacted with lots of people who have and have worked with sales managers and sales leaders. Mm. I'm sure there are some people that you work with that say, this is great, but I'm expected to be a certain way and to do things a certain way. And I think a lot of people feel like they need permission to do the kind of work you're talking about. So I'm curious, what kind of resistance do your clients come up against 
And how do you help them with that resistance? Yeah. So I was working with a client this past week who's kind of going through that where she's very, um, she's intuitive. Like she knows she sells really well in a certain way. And that's not the way her leadership is wanting her to sell. And so in that case, it's, it's like, okay, if you're not going to quit the job, then we got to work within that system. But how can you bring more of you into that situation? And how can you limit the scenarios where you're feeling like you can't be yourself? So for her, she sells, she is an amazing salesperson when she doesn't have to worry about the numbers. Like when she can just show up and connect from the heart and speak, right. like she brings in way more than is even expected. For her, she starts to feel overwhelmed and inundated when she's feeling responsible for a lot of numbers. And she's got meetings every week that are about numbers. <laughs> but so what we talked about was limiting the time when she's really focusing on those two, a couple hours every week. And the rest of the week, it's like, Anytime that you find yourself tempted to go in just to check, just to, you know, to do the thing you think you're supposed to do, you're not like, stop. And then we also <laughs> talked about ways for her to kind of power herself up on those mornings for those meetings and, and have some meditation time, have some time of just gratitude. And then afterwards, what she's going to do right after to kind of get back in the flow. So <laughs> you get, but here's the thing. I think at the end of the day, the numbers speak for themselves. So right. the key is get yourself to a point where the numbers are so good that they don't care how you do it. So until you earn that right, you got to kind of play by the rules. But then I think once you, once you've earned that right, most, most sales leaders and corporate leaders don't care. They're like bringing the numbers. Right. Dang. I think some of that gets back to whether we label it courage or vulnerability or taking the risk, because there probably is some potential risk to get to that point of having earned the right. Yeah. Because I, I like, you know, you said burn the boats earlier. And if this is how I'm going to be most effective, and I liked how you carved out just those few hours, but if, if I'm essentially, how effective will I be if I have one foot in and one foot out mm. to being myself? Probably not nearly as effective, and therefore I may not get to the point of earning the right. And I think people, but I, I'm guessing that your work helps people feel worthy enough themselves, because once you get dive deeper into your own worthiness, it becomes less of a risk. So your risk feels high, very high when you're feeling unworthy. The more worthy you feel, the risk never goes away. I mean, risk is risk. That, that sales manager, sales leader may never agree with you. But this is, the, they, they reverse itself and now maybe you're more willing to just be you. Yes. Yes. That's exactly, nail on the head. I think you have to realize that everything you want, like everything you're going for that you think is going to make you feel good, it, it comes when you're feeling worthy, when you're feeling at peace, when you're feeling at ease, you have to care more about how you feel than anything else. And it's not in yeah. a selfish way. It's in a, no, if you want to actually enjoy your life and get what you want out of life, you have to care more about how you feel than anything else. And trust that when you put feeling worthy, good, abundant, receptive first, the other stuff will line up perfectly for you. Yeah. And it may be that you get a major promotion at that job and a ton of sales come in and, or maybe it means you aren't actually meant to stay there and there's something better for you and you're going to be invited to leave. And there's going to be the amazing entrepreneurial career on the other side that you always dreamed of. So it's just, it's that trust that everything's always working out for you. It's interesting. There's a, I don't know if you've heard of the program, your wish is your command by Kevin Trudeau. No, but I love that. Highly name. recommend it. Um, okay. And, uh, and it was interesting because he actually reached out to me uh, last week, and I finally met him, but um, very, very interesting guy. And 
what he teaches is the deeper side of the law of attraction and yeah. how this stuff works and exactly what you were talking about there. So I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I'll check him out. Thank you. That's awesome. Well, to, to wrap up, I'm going to highlight the a word you just used. I think it's one of the most powerful words, a differentiated word, is you said it's about how worthy you feel. Or if you feel you're worthy, you didn't mm-hmm. say it's how worthy you think you are. Right. <laughs> and you didn't say you think you're worthy because that's to me usually the conflict. People think they're worthy logically. Well, yeah, yeah, of course I'm worthy. But do I feel worthy and down in here? And do I experience that? And that's the difference to me. And uh, that's what my takeaway is out of your final thoughts. So thank you so much for being here, Elise. Uh, I want to make sure we ask. So I was just going to say one thing related to that, Jeff, is that for me, that was, that was probably the typical male kind of thing always in my head and being able to feel into the, some of those things is one of the hardest things it's been for me just to be able to fully understand, you know, to, to unlock that part and not just think about stuff. Well, that raises the question and maybe that's a whole nother episode down the road is what drives the fear of feeling? Because those are not necessarily sharing your feelings. So the fear is not that you're going to share them with anyone, but what is the fear of feeling? And why do we choose our thoughts over the feeling because somehow the feeling scares us, Mm. but what's the fear? I don't know if it's fear, if it's just training, because it's like working with a coach. It was like, so Craig really feel this. Like, so this is what I think. And it's like, no, no, (laughs) it was just over and over. It's like, man, I'm an idiot. What what is wrong with me? Why can't I do this? So maybe it was fear. I don't know what it is. What if the, what if the training is a, is a trained habit, a trained behavior, a trained way of being in order to protect yourself from whatever it is that you're afraid of. Mm, yeah. Good point. Wow. Please do a podcast episode on that, guys. I would yeah. love for you guys to go back and forth on that. I think that's like, especially for men. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. Let's peel back Craig. Let's, let's figure out what's, yes. what's going on here. Yeah. That. That'd be great. Yeah. Hot seat, hot seat. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. At least uh, we always ask our guests to share. What is there? Is there anything particular you want to promote or highlight today for our listeners? Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity and just to be here. Uh, yeah, I would say there are two two resources that uh, my clients tell me are most helpful. So, one is a masterclass that I uh, hosted recently that women said was pretty transformational for them, called "Your First Six Figures." And so, oh, nice. uh, yeah, you're. Your listeners can get that at elisearcher.com slash six figures. If you like the conversation today, it's it's a lot of that. Um, and then my podcast, She Sells Radio. Every week, we've got amazing leaders in the world of sales and business and prosperity and wealth coming on. And it's, awesome. um, yeah, yeah. So great conversations there. And thank you guys both so much for this opportunity. This was one of my favorite interviews I've done. So thank you so much. Fantastic. No, this is great. Yeah. We really well, thank it. you, Elise. Uh, you mentioned your website. Is that the best way for people to connect with you or is there another way? Yeah. So elisearcher.com, you can connect with me. I'm at Elise Archer on all social media too. So if someone wants to catch up with me on LinkedIn or Instagram, those are probably the two I hang out on the most, but you can oh, get God. me pretty much anywhere at Elise Archer. Well, fantastic. And the final question is, I'm just going to ask you one today. I'm going to choose this one. Dinner. You get to have dinner with someone alive. Who do you want to have dinner with? And what's the one question you're going to ask them? Oh, that's a good question. Ah, 
my mind. <laughs> so my mind goes to Oprah, which is probably a stereotypical answer, but it's, it is true. And I think the question I would want to know is how she had faith to keep going when it looked like things weren't going to work out the way she wanted. So that would be, that would be my answer. Awesome. Well, thank you, Elise. Thanks for, I love the work you're doing. I, I really didn't have any idea. Uh, I have a big smile on my, on my face, but also in my heart, the work you're doing, because uh, I believe that's the work that matters. So thank you for being here, but more importantly, thanks for your work in the world. Thank you so much. This was an absolute pleasure. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.